It's a great joy to bring God's word. But I just want to say that the series of Romans has been quite exciting. I mean, I've all my life been listening to, I don't know, thousands of preachers. But Pastor Kim's ministry with the book of Romans in, in, in as he's been just preaching and teaching God's word has kept me spelled bound, you know, every word he's been saying because it's God's word. It's not his word, but God's word. And we need to, you know, always be open to what God's saying and be delightful in the word of God. So this morning, I like to share with you a story that will bring my title of my message. Very early in the piece, in Australia, there was a man called Arthur Strace. He was a drunkard because his father and mother were drunks. And at the age of seven, he was put into an orphanage. He grew up rough, and when he got to a certain age, he joined the army, went into the First World War, came back totally devastated and twisted in his mind. In life, became so difficult that he became a drunk and a criminal. And then, of course, this journey kept on till one day he was on the roads, had no home to stay. He was homeless. And one lady said to him, oh, you see, if you come to that church, after church, we give you a drink and you can have something to eat. And that was, you know, something inviting. He didn't care about the church, but he thought, oh, boy, I'll get a meal. So he got up and he went to church, sat down. Service was over, and he got a feed. But something gripped him. Something happened to him. So he returned, and he returned. And he came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that was the game changer in his life. The story doesn't end there. The pastor had a guest speaker who came and preached. And he preached a message about eternity. And so this man sitting there, the pastor, the guest preacher made a statement and he said, oh, I wish that I could take this message all over Sydney writing eternity. He sat down there and that gripped hold of his heart Another race, got up, couldn't read, couldn't write, but so clearly wrote the word eternity. Over five, you know, half a million times, he wrote eternity all over the streets of Sydney, and nobody knew for about 12 to 15 years who did it. Till one day they found out a simple janitor was the man behind it. 
The testimony goes that in 2000, in the Sydney Harbour Bridge, the word eternity was written. Because eternity gripped this man so much that he was desperate to get the message that one day we will all face eternity. And so he took it far and wide. What a big story about this man. It was on television. Google it and find out. He's been blessed. It talks about the history of this man. And it talks about how Sydney was affected by this. So that would bring the title of my message in the light of eternity. In the light of eternity. Eternity simply means life without end. Life without end. Friends, to us, eternity is very, very important. Because we will all face life. Whether you are saved or whether you are born again, you will face eternity. Whether it's going to be in heaven or it's going to be in hell, you will live forever and ever because we have a spirit that does not die. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what Christianity teaches us, that we are a spirit that will never die. And therefore, Philippians chapter 3 and verses 20 says, But our citizenship is not, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await the Savior from there, <coughs> the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is not our home, friends. All through the centuries, you find that Christians were always persecuted. They were always spoken about. Because people in the world think that we are a bunch of fruitcakes. Because we are so different. Our views are different. <coughs> Our lifestyle is different. And so when you live this Christian life, you find that people want to stay away from you because you have such different worldviews. Your worldview is totally different from what people have. And therefore, whenever you go anywhere, you find that you know if people come to know that you're a Christian, they have a little bit reservation. Because they realize that you're different. And so we need to come to a place of understanding that we must live our Christian life with a focus on eternity. If we as Christians don't, you know, live this life with, in the light of eternity, your Christianity is just a formality, just like any other religion. Why? Because religion has rules, regulations, and rituals. And that's what Christian people who live, if they don't have eternity in their focus. It's just rules, regulations, and rituals. But Christianity, my friends, is totally different because you know why? You have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You become 
a disciple and discipline your life according to the word of God. That is what Christianity is about. <clears throat> that is what it is all about. That's when you don't walk, talk the talk, but you walk the walk by working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I want to let you know that <coughs> eternity is our only hope. Eternity is our only hope, friends, because life has different problems, difficulties, whatever situation, in how rough life gets and how tough life gets, you must always realize that we have <coughs> some bigger picture to look forward for. In 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 24 says that everyone runs the race, but it is only those few will win the prize. So you and I must run this race as if we are going to win the prize. Because it is impossible, very, very important for us to be able to get hold of this whole understanding that one day we will face eternity. And so we cannot take our Christian life oh, as if it's just a walk in the park. Because every single thing that you do, my friends, now as a Christian, everything, you come, you settle the, chair, uh, settle the chairs, you, whatever you do, it's written down in the books of life. It's written down because there are books, and that's what you'll be rewarded for when you get to the other side. <clears throat> but the question is this morning, how do you live in the light of eternity. I want to share with you a few keys that if you apply it to your life, and I'll be, it is a bit challenging, but if you apply these keys to your life, I challenge you, you would really understand the depth of what it is to see the bigger picture. To see the bigger picture. Number one, put God first in everything. Now, you must have heard this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these th things will be added to you. Everything will be added to you. Now, I tell you, I got a hold of the scripture when I was a young boy. And I'll tell you, I've seen it. It works. It's worked in my life. It will work in your life. If you can get a hold of this passage of scripture and say, God, I want to put you first in everything that I do. I want to just make you the goal of my life. I tell you whatever you want and whatever you desire will fall in place in the right time. Putting God first simply means that you pray about everything especially young people. If today, if you're going to want a partner in your life, you know, pray, seek God, 
because today it's so important about the best thing that you could ever do is to be able to trust and pray that God brings the right person in your life. Don't run after the flesh and say, wow, he looks good or, you know, he looks groovy and she looks so beautiful and so pretty and look at the outside. But let me tell you something, you've got to be able to be led today by the Spirit of God to choose the right person so that life becomes a pleasure living. Otherwise, it could become a hell on earth. My friends, get a hold of that. It is so, so important for you to be able to understand. If you are looking for a job, if you are looking for a house, if you are looking for things, brother, brother, sister, pray for it. Pray, seek God about it. And I'll tell you something, because we have practiced this. Cultivate the habit of praying for everything. Everything. When I leave my house, some of you may think, I don't know what's wrong with this guy, but I'll tell you. When I leave my house, to get a car park in Sunnybank is very hard. I'll say, Lord, give me a car park. Give me a car park. Right from my start. Summer I go there, I get a car park. The other day we went to um, QE2 and you know, QE2 to get a car park there. So I prayed again, I went and I, the, soon as I landed there, I dropped Jackie off and I just landed there, this guy was coming out and I parked. You know, sometimes you think, oh, it's you know, simple things. You know, you don't have to pray about it. No, friends, have this habit of praying about everything because it is a powerful tool for your Christian life. Now, if you have a headache, what you do, you run for the tablet. You know why? Because you have more faith in the tablet than in prayer. But if you could say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, touch and heal this headache. Heal it. And wait a little while and you don't get, go, okay. God gives this tablet, you take it. But you know what? When you prayed, because you prayed, God is in control of that headache. And then you take the tablet. <laughs> because that's practical. <laughs> but pray first. Make sure that you put God first. Pray and seek him because God is in control of every situation. You know, putting things, you know, First, in church life. I taught that to my kids. Prayer meetings, if you could ever be service, don't ever miss service because you're going to play games and all friends. I tell you, learn this. Learn it from me. You want God's blessing in your life. I'll tell you, do the right thing before God. You know, give Church, your best shot. You know why? I'll tell you. There is a corporate anointing in this service. When you go out of the, this church, what happens is you take that a corporate anointing and you take it back home and the home is blessed. It's sanctified. It's separated. You find that Satan cannot come in and pray tricks in your home. Why? Because there is a sanctification in this place and you take this anointing 
and you go home. And if you, you know, just forget about service because there's something else going on and you go there and, and you find out through the week, you know, all sorts of things start happening. My friends, put God first. Prayer meetings. Now, if you are responsible in church to do some things in church, make that your priority. Put it first. Because if you don't do it, you will not receive your reward in heaven because you didn't do it wholeheartedly. Put that first. Go do things. Whatever you're responsible to do in church. I may get in trouble for this, but give to God what belongs to God. Some of us, we are going to be beautifully, I mean, we tithe, we give, but every single cent that comes into your hand, whether it's bonus, whether it's this, that, and the other, 10% give to God. And you see the blessings of God that flows in your life. Do you do it? You try it and test and see what God, you know, sometimes you think, oh, you know, it only talks about the wage. No, it doesn't talk about that. It talks about 10% in offerings also. And so sometimes whatever we get, if you give to God what belongs to God, the blessings of God just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing in your life. And I asked the permission of the pastor. I remember teaching our children about tithing. And um, Kim was in school and he got this job in the cheesecake shop. And um, he's working and I don't know what really the thing, whether he had the tithe and he spent the tithe and thought next time when I get salary I'll give it or what, I don't, don't know. But he had to give a cake to somebody. And when he was bringing the cake out, the finger went into the cake and his cake was spoiled. So the lady who used to own the cheese shop, cheese shop used to come to our church. So he said, oh, don't worry. It'll be all right. You can give, leave it there and give the other kids. He said, no, no, no. I'll take it home. He brought it home and me and my wife are very happy all oh, the cake has come and this that and we found out how much was the cake the exact amount of money for his tithes $13 if you don't give what belongs to God somehow Satan comes and takes it away so learn to be a person who says God I'll put you first I'll put you first the second point that I want to make here the key is refuse to get offended. You know something? Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother offended is a harder to win than a strong city and the contention are like bars of, of a castle. Now, of course, the NIV says different, which is more or less the same thing. See, you, my friend, can only get offended in church. Think about this. You're driving your car when somebody cuts you off. Maybe you give them the royal salute or whatever. You get ticked off. Whatever you do, you still don't get offended. You're upset, but you don't get offended. 
You go to the supermarket, people, you know, push you, tell you they want to go fast, and so they do also. You're standing in a queue, and they just do these sort of things, and you get really upset, but you don't get offended. Whatever happens, and people do whatever they do to you, you don't get offended. But why do we get offended in churches? Because Satan will see that you get offended in church. He'll see that you get offended and you're upset and you know what happens? People leave, leave the church and they go out. And when they go out, they don't know that Satan uses them as a target because you know what happens? You become cynical, critical. They call themselves Christians. They are a bunch of hypocrites. I will never put my foot into a church and that's what he wants. See how they behaved. See how they spoke to me. See the attitude. And my friends, sometimes even the person, whatever they've done, they don't even know that they did it to you. It is you that got offended and you that got upset. And they didn't even know. They didn't know. So, and then you go and you say, okay, so there is, what happens? You think I'm going to go to a perfect church. And so, you go to the church, soon as you enter, the church becomes imperfect. You know why? Because you have entered, you are imperfect. And so the perfect church gets totally imperfect. Friends, when people come here, they say this is such a friendly church. All these people are so friendly. They are so good. They come and people love to come here because of that. And many people have told me, yes, they're so friendly, people, everything is going good. And they, but, you know, that is a part of our culture. That's what we want. We want to make the church like a community. We are, my friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We will spend eternity together. So we must make sure that we can get along now and be friendly with one another here. Because... You know, you've got to be able to understand that if we must come to a place of saying that I want to adapt. We as a church must adapt the fact that we will have a part of our culture is where we never get offended. Can we adapt it in the culture? Yes. We can apply it. Why? We are a church that we would want a community. And if there is going to be a community here, then let us adapt the fact that we will not get offended. Now, let me tell you something. You will get offended in church. But how you deal with it, what matters. And the way you deal with it is you go to the person in love and speak. If Pastor Kim offends you, or if I offend you, or Pastor Jackie, or the elders, or the leaders, go up to them and tell them that the way you said this, or the way you said that. You know, I believe that even Pastor Kim will apologize. I will apologize. Anybody, why? Because we don't want to be a stumbling block to people. We want to show people love. We want to bring them. And whenever we can just get a hold of the fact that they are offended and they are hurt because offense is real. It's not a 
something in figurative it's not imagination it's her it destroys people and if they don't deal with it it eats them up like a cancer and destroys their spiritual life now, i've seen this we don't want that to happen here you know we don't want that we want you to be able to deal with it in love and there are people now who just forget so there are a lot of people who've come here i think if we had all these people that here we would never have been able to keep people in this church it would have been packed but something they get offended and they want to go then we don't even know what it is because they didn't tell us but if we can make this a part of our culture of going to somebody and said hey listen the, what you said or the attitude or, or or the way you behaved it hurt me then you can say i'm sorry i'm so sorry because most of the time people don't know that you offended them and what we really want to do is to apply this my friends you know it's all good you know because as a community we have to be able to get together to be able to work together to be able to see the lost saved and be brought into the kingdom of god but if we have our own squabbles it does not happen and if we can't get along with this person and we can't get along with that person let me tell you it doesn't work that way it won't be able to work you know somebody says oh to be above with the ones we love what a glory but to stay below with the ones we know is another story we cannot we have to be together we have to love one another we have to be able to avoid offense because offense and offending people is a terrible thing in church life and last you know you see if you get offended you have if you get offended you have god's grace for that offense and you don't want to you know go to that person say you offended then take it to god and say god you know the way the person said that behaved in that way god will give you the grace to overcome it but if you take somebody else's offense there is no grace for that you will suffer you will get hurt and it will eat you up on the on the inside so remember that remember that that god wants you to never get offended in church life you know i tell you this is the one thing that i've seen in church life that's the church has not gained ground <coughs> the way god wanted it the first 70 years of church history when you study it the gospel spread all over the world in the first 70 years and it was completely saturated the universe and we today have not really continued because of this one thing offense offense people have started different denominations different this that and the other because of offense let us continue together building the church where everybody is somebody and jesus is lord
We are all equal in the sight of God. <clears throat> and thirdly, deny yourself and take up the cross. Matthew chapter 16, 24. You know, it, it does not mean that you do, deny yourself from the desires and the good things that God has for you. Because, I mean, you're God's children. God has got the best. You know, if you look at scripture, the scripture says, Jesus says, if you being a bunch of ratbags know how to give the best to your children, how much more your heavenly father wants to give to you? And so God has got the best for you. He wants to give you your desires. He wants to give you every single thing that he has. You see, you've got to understand, you know, somebody will, you know, you feel, oh, but, oh, no, the desires, you know, we have to deny ourselves. You've got to take out the desires. My challenge to you is I'll ask you, who put the desires in your heart? God did. God did. He put the desires. That's why he says in Psalm 37 and Verse 4 and 5, he says, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways unto God, and he'll bring it to pass. God wants to give you your desire. If you can just hold on. Denying yourself does not mean, you know, denying the flesh is, you know, you stop fornicating, you stop adultery. We are Christians. We, that, that is not what it means. It simply means that the small things, it's the small fox that destroys the wine. The small things, and what is the small thing? Is that you must deny your ego. As human beings, we are very egoistic. I, me, myself. And we are egoistic, and because of egoistic, pride enters. I am better than them. I can do it better. I can sing better. I can play better. I can do this and I can do I'm better. So you begin to think that you are better than everybody. And you walk around. And my friends, John 3.16. I'm not preaching to anybody here. And I'm preaching for people out there that they are listening and they are, you know, in the world. Because you have a good group of people out here. But, you know, John 3.30 says, He must increase and I and we must decrease. In other words, the more Jesus gets in us and he becomes the more bigger and bigger in us, we then begin to get totally become smaller. In other words, we are willing to just be a, a nobody. You know why? Because Jesus is the one who being the God that flung the stars into his position, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the sweetest rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star, the God of all. And let me tell you, he comes down to a place of washing the feet of the disciples because he wants to demonstrate to us that's what it is, to be able to put someone first. Put them first. So that 
Take up the cross also means that you, the cross is a, a symbol of suffering. And yes, you will go through trials. You will go through tough times. You will go through problems. But let me tell you something. As long as you are willing to take God in every situation and you could bring it before him, let me tell you, God will see you through because life, my friends, will have struggles, trials, and problems. Everybody has it. So take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow him. Because God wants you to know that it's a life of self-denial. Because you know why? If you, you know, think that I'm better than those and promote, <coughs> try to promote yourself, <coughs> it doesn't work. Because let me tell you, promotion comes from God. God looks at you and he sees your faithfulness and he starts promoting you in the eyes of people. And people begin to realize that you are somebody and you could do what God has called you to do. You gotta just let God be God in the situation. Because when you start thinking that I can do it, I'm better, that's when the problem comes. To draw this a close, to come, you know, to conclude, conclusion is David lived a life in the light of eternity because he starts Psalm 23, which is one of the most outstanding psalms. He starts on earth but he ends up in heaven. Why? Because he knew that there is an eternity. And we must always remember that we are living for eternity. Live for that eternity, friends. You know, it is said that, you can even Google this, a man went up to heaven. And, you know, it settled with my spirit when somebody says they went up to heaven only they know that experience but I had something which I remember telling my wife what this guy has seen I remember having a vision of it so he went up to heaven and when the angels supposed to take him around he began to see that there were people with two types of robes. And he looked around and he, and he seen this. And he asked the angel, what, what does this mean? There are two robes in heaven. Why? Why is this? And then he said, oh, that is the robe of salvation. And he said, those people are the ones that made heaven by the skin of the teeth. And the Bible tells you that. And then he says, those that are wearing the robes of righteousness are the ones that did what God asked them and called them to do. And because of that, 
they have given the robe of righteousness. Because they did what God asked them to do wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. In my challenge today, and if you think is this all fairy tale, no, there's scripture for it. We checked it out. There is scripture for it. And my friends, we need to come to a place of understanding that God wants us to be drawn closer to him in a sense of living for eternity because there are books in heaven. Books in heaven that everything is written down. And many of us could say, you know, I don't know what I have in heaven. Neither that me, but one thing I know that when we get to the other side, we will find out because it will all be written in the books. In the question that you need to ask yourself, am I living in the light of eternity? Because one day you'll face it. Now, some of you may be thinking, this guy's quite close to eternity. That's why he's talking like this. None of us. <laughs> None of us are far away from it. We don't know tomorrow what could happen. We don't know. So therefore, if we live our Christian life, let us live the Christian life in the light of eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray, God, that you would have anointed every word that I said. Lord, as I come before you, I pray that you would touch every word to your people as they are blessed to listen and take your word and apply it. And I pray, God, that you will draw every one of us closer to you in all that I shared. For we give you all the praise, the glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kim. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Guys, thank you for being here today. I, in, in a couple of weeks' time, we want to do a, um, uh, it's just an opportunity for those who are newer in our church, uh, just to catch up with Bethany and myself, just after church. Um, we'll have a bit of lunch together, and um, just a stand-up lunch, it won't, it won't be very, very long, but it's an opportunity for you to, for us to share a little bit about the life of our church. Uh, what's you know where we've come from and our history, but also an opportunity for you to ask questions. So if you'd like to be part of that and go, hey, what what are these people about? Um, where they're going? Uh, where they're from? Uh, I'd love for you to come and have a chat with me because we do need numbers. So it'll be in about two or three weeks' time. We'll give you an exact date, and it won't be long, maybe 45 minutes or something like that. Uh, we can just uh, share a little bit. So uh, come chat with me. I'll take your name down, and we'll have, it'll just be straight after church uh, for uh, 45 minutes or so, and uh, we'll do that. But be blessed. Uh, have a great week. We have coffee. Don't run away. If you're new here, we do have a gift pack for you as well as a free coffee. Uh, love to catch up with you. Be blessed, and we'll see you next Sunday.